During this episode of the Winemakers Podcast, Jeff Cohen discusses one of his early mentors in the wine business, Kent Rosenblum. Shortly after recording, we learned that Kent had passed away. We dedicate this episode in Kent's memory, and our hearts go out to his family in this difficult time. The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Good afternoon. Welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with uh, Bart Hansen, Sam Katuri. Thomas Roberts from Sante Restaurant and Jeff Cohn from Jeff Cohn Cellars. How'd you come up with the name? It was a tough one. <laughs> it was a tough name to figure out. You know? why, well, why did you... Why, you started off as J.C. Cellars, though, right? We did start off with J.C. Cellars. And we, we you know, when, when you start a brand uh, and you've got all this great fruit and you've made this wine for over a year, right? In the meantime, you haven't even thought of a name to put on the label... So you had to come up with something because you do have to bottle. And uh, I don't know, we decided J.C. Sellers. And, you know, for many years I, I struggled with it because uh, people would make uh, religious comments about it. Right. And I finally said to my wife, I said, oh, my God, they make these religious comments when I'm at tastings about the Jesus Christ. And I would always say, yeah, the wine walks on water. I, you know, the whole <laughs> thing. Yeah, the whole <laughs> The whole thing. And, and, and my wife would be like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm sure that doesn't really happen. And we even called my friend Bobby Ali because he's a good religious person, he, you know. And, and he's like, I never even thought of it that way. So my wife is, again, going, I, why? So finally she poured at an event. And someone asked her where the cross was behind, at, you know, behind the table. Where is it? So she finally came <laughs> home and really? said, you know what? Yeah. She was like, we've got to change the name. So now, now we have my name on the label. Um, it's actually a good branding process uh, for me. And also, it has my address on the back. So in case I drink too much of my wine, uh, they know where to send me by Uber. <laughs> That's exactly what I always tell people why we named 16600. So my dad knew how to get home. <laughs> there you go. So, so everyone, Jeff, Jeff has been on the show before. Actually, it's we our, had our, a- first, our first two-time guest. Our first returning um, guest, Woo-hoo! or is we somebody else? Well, we did back to backs with uh, Bob Cabral, and oh, then, that's right. and then you didn't come over to Three Sticks last uh, week for the. Uh, well, neither did you actually. Well, no, I, uh, made, I, mean, I you, made it for the. You tail made end. you made the hour long podcast become an hour and a half. Yeah, you're right. Actually, <laughs> I listened to it. It probably could have got shut down, and then they felt like they had to catch up when I got there. So it 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 um, extended a little bit. But I think Marsha, did you guys listen to that? Marsha, yeah. Marsha has a voice for radio. She does. She's she got does. like a sultry yeah. uh, voice. That's, For everybody uh, who listened, to li- we, we actually haven't been replaced. We're here still. Right. Yeah, we but are we might still be. here. <laughs> There's, it, re- returns are still coming in. It might be the Marsha <laughs> show from now on. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing we have to remember is that I think Ian Blessing actually got the top billing over Jeff Cohn the last time Jeff was on the show. You know, I noticed um, that. And, um, and actually, I reached out So that's out the to- only reason Jeff's back, wow. to be quite honest. <laughs> I, t- I reached out to Ian the other day, and it, it's his day off today, so I was hoping to get him here, but he's, he's off doing something with his girlfriend, because I know he, uh, he loves, uh, he loves hanging out with Jeff. Fiance. That was a, that was a good show. 
Oh, yeah. fiance. Yeah, that's uh, a good show. The Beyonce <laughs> show. The Beyonce show. Right, <laughs> right. Show. Which John John almost cut from the uh, um, uh, from the um, archives because he didn't really <laughs> the over- think that it was very professional. Which which um, I'm sure we'll get right. there today. Well, well, if well we start- obviously, <laughs> I am not very professional. So um. right. if professionalism was our standard, <laughs> we'd have shut this operation down a long time ago. <laughs> totally. But Jeff is a good friend. I did. uh, One last thing. John, if you're listening, we have to talk about the um, tasting in front of the microphone. Taste away from the microphone. We don't want to be like another podcast that I've um, heard. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, just a little pet peeve. Very interactive. (laughs) But uh, you guys that have listened to the show before, you know, Jeff was on the show. Jeff um, makes uh, very... Good Rhone varietals and Zinfandel, um, and some other uh, uh, things as well. And he just recently got um, a lot of his wines scored very highly by Mr. Robert Parker. I'm throwing it out there. Yes, I am. Okay. What, what, what I'm amazed is how many wines you make. I, ha- I have Rose and Blue Midas. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, it, I went onto the website again the other day and I was like, w- w- blends and then other wines. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, Jeff. It, you, it's you know. a lot of work, but you know what? I how, love it. I love. How many it. SKUs are you this year? Twenty-five. Holy! And shit. how many total cases a year? About six thousand. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, I like working. It's a, it's a lot production. of division. It's a yeah. lot, a lot of uh, just you know what? But it makes it fun, and it, it keeps me inspired. Absolutely. Um, constantly looking to do different projects as we're going to taste uh, down the road here. Um, you know, I do this one project with Eve Gangloff, one with Eve Kuleron. Um Special project coming up is uh, something that we're going to be doing up in Walla Walla. But uh, that's going to be many years down the road because we're just about ready to start planning it next year. Mm-hmm. So uh, Wait a minute. This is the first time hearing about that. What is this? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. Breaking so, news on so the podcast. Breaking news on the podcast. So it's going to be a project with the guys from over at Sleight of Hand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Yves Couleron and Julian Session from uh, the Northern Rhone and myself. So it's in the North Fork district of Walla Walla, very, very steep hillside vineyard. It's going to take three years to get the vineyard planted. Uh, and then, of course, all three that- years like uh, planting in. So how, because how we many, have to do it in parts, right? We have to do it in parts because it's all volcanic. Would what? you believe it's only four acres? <laughs> it's 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 a forty-five to fifty-degree slope vineyard. Oh my god! Wow! Um, it's I mean, all going to be head trained. And for reference, for people, that's something that they wouldn't allow us to plant here in California. Absolutely right? not, or Sonoma County, anyway. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's incredible <clears throat> volcanic rock. They call it basalt, uh, and it's it's going to be a fabulous. Experience. Right. Yeah. Um, so, is that how close is that to the the rocks? Because oh, it's not that far away. Right. It's not that far away. It's just a different environment. Uh, you know, where the rocks is very that much Chateauneuf de Pop thing. Right. This is definitely more. It's going to be more like the Iron Hills Zin that we're going to try today. Which, when you taste that, you're going to say, "God, that that's more Northern Rhone than it is California Zin." <laughs> so. Um, so are you? Is it going to be Zinfandel? Is it going to? No, it's Syrah. It's Syrah. Okay. It's going to be a hundred percent Syrah. I, I talked to them about maybe putting a little Viognier, but they feel you know what this this spot is perfect for Syrah up there. Cool. Um, uh, uh, Christophe has a, a planting up there. Christophe Laurent, right down this, right down the road. So I know it is going to be successful. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Gonna, it's going to be expensive. 
the fruit's not going to be cheap. But three you know years what? to plant four acres. You know what? And, and so is the plan to make like something the, my dad one wine, put somebody through one college. wine that you guys will one all work wine together. That we're all going to work together. And uh, you know, it's you know, for me, making wine is not always about making money. I'm although I'm married to a CPA who who would like to make some. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, she's but, not listening. But <laughs> she probably is. Uh, <laughs> but but for the experience of working with people and, and learning from them, yeah. uh, the, the things that I have learned through working with all these guys from France has been incredible for me. It's been a great experience. Um, I think my wines across the board are much better because you get to learn more about freshness and vibrancy and um, producing wines that are definitely much more alive in the bottle and age better. Um, even though I like deeper, darker wines, I think what I have on the table, like the 16s, I think are some of my best wines that I've made. And I think are some of the freshest. So, well, and I think we should talk about that too as we get through. Sixteen is one of these years. Everything that we were making, to me, as we were pressing it, tasted ready. I was oh. like, it was ready to make. Can I put this in a bottle and start pouring it in the tasting room tomorrow? Absolutely. I remember you I, saying I that about Napa uh, totally yeah. 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 And it just yeah. and it just like has those they've gotten better and better. Um, so I'm ex- I'm excited to taste your 16s. What, what's in our glass right now is also a 16, right? It the, also is a 16. So just remember, guys, these wines have only been in the bottle for about three and a half months. So even the even the Marsan. even the Marsan, uh, we leave it in the bottle 18, 20 months. In I bar- mean, in the barrel, 18, 20 months. In neutral or. No, that is 30% new French oak. Um, we use all larger formats, so 300-liter barrels. Um, it is 85% uh, Marsan, and the rest is Roussan, all from the Stagecoach Vineyard. Um, Just one quick question, Jeff. So the reviews that you recently got... Those are all from 15. Those were all 15s, right? Yeah, these yeah. are all new wines that we're trying, um, and I wanted to share them with you guys because this is my first opportunity to show. So we're them the off. first yeah. members of the air quotes media to the, be tasting the air these. quotes media. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like funny rabbit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I we mean, get to try and be before Parker this yeah. time. Before yeah. Parker, because you, you know your opinion is very important to me. So <laughs> your peers, yeah. you know, I mean, peers are really important. I think you know. Um, sure, Parker gives you ego, but peers give you, you know. I don't know. It makes me feel better when everybody gets a chance to time. I, I agree. I agree. Yep. So, so for the Marsan, thirty uh, percent new oak, uh, mountain fruit. Um, the goal with this wine, a few years ago, it's got to be like six years ago. I met up with uh, Jean Louis Chav, and uh, I really, I really talked to him about pH and TA, not just about minerality, because working with Stagecoach, you're going to have minerality, but talking about where he likes to see his fruit. He's like, you know, I don't worry about the pH and TA. It, it is what it is. If the fruit tastes right, I don't worry. And I pick when I feel like it, it, the flavors are there. And so that's been my philosophy with this. Um, this pH is 3.8. I'm not worried. Um, you know, you have mineral uh, backbone. You have this right. richness. It's not lacking for acidity. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, just been bottled. Yeah. So, so it's going to... It's going to be settling a little bit more. It will. It'll. It'll become richer, and I think more of the minerality will show through. It has this great sort of. It's it's mineral, uh, but it has this like honey overtone on the finish. Yeah, and it, it just keeps so, going and going and going and, it's and so going. So soft. It's yeah. like it's like coats the tongue. It's unbelievable. Talk, will you talk a little bit about the Stagecoach Vineyard because it's you know it's a name that gets thrown around and it's it's 
a crazy vineyard and, and it's giant and there's a lot of like kind of moving parts happening right now. Um, Definitely with yeah. Gallo on board. The Gallo and the fire and, you know, where it is and the whole thing. So for me, you know, I've been working with Stagecoach for probably 10, 12 years now. Um, I've been very fortunate uh, between working with Jan Krupp and now with Gallo because they just recently reviewed all my wines. They, they taste everybody's wines. <laughs> To, to make a decision, thank you. To make a decision, the electricity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just yeah, we're casually <laughs> passing gla- very full glasses of water over our high-tech equipment. Anyone here. that doesn't know where the song Spill the Wine came uh, from, <laughs> do a little research. It's about a mixing board and some wine. Here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, so. I never sit that close to the board, Jeff. <laughs> just you go. We, no, we I never let it. Sam oh, sit right. that close to the oh. board. Oh, is that how it Oh, that seat right there, head of the table. It's ready for you, Sam. So, so I've been very fortunate. Uh, Gallo has tried all my wines I've made up there over the recent years, and uh, they've given me an A rating. So I continue to get fruit from up there. Wait, wait, how does that happen? So what Gallo, so anyone doesn't know, Gallo purchased the Stagecoach Vineyard. So you had existing and contracts. And they've been very, with very, them. very, very, very nice to me. Right. But how do you? Ding, 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 so ding, are ding. there people that got D ratings on their wine and I, then they were you kicked know what? out? I have no idea. It's not something you want to have to speak about. I don't want to think about it. You know what? I only worry about myself. Okay. But, but they were very, very kind to me. Um, they've been really gracious about uh, my contracts and uh, we continue to make wine up there. Well, you know, so, it's interesting. I saw today. Um, Morgan posted that he's yeah. getting Monoroso Zin this and, year. Zin and maybe Cabernet also? Yeah, this this year. Which, and I, I mean, I, we had heard that they'd canceled everybody's contracts up at Monoroso. And well, I know. Somehow I, the Golden I, Boy. There's got to be a story. <laughs> there's got to be a story. And I know there is because he posted something about. Um, we'll. As uh, self-appointed members of the media now, right. uh, I'll dig into that one and find that. And maybe we'll get Morgan or maybe we'll get Brene, uh, the vineyard manager, on talk a little bit about how Morgan pulled off uh, getting. Which, you know, a, it's great because you hate to see it all go to the prisoner. So, well, yeah. And, you know, and you know what? Let's face it, it. It helps the name. It does. Yeah. It does. You know, I mean, and I think that's why stage. Well, coach, that's what's so. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and to go back to you. Because I mean, it, yeah. it, no, no, no. Because it, it helps continue the name. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, if I get a good review and once again i don't want to talk about reviews but 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 if we had to (laughs) but if we had to talk about reviews uh you know that's what they're looking for they want that out there because it it gives that brand it's a brand absolutely it is a brand it's a a huge brand so what's that gallo tasting panel like who i have no idea oh you oh you're not there no 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 No, i was told i was told by the former vineyard manager who's no longer there um, that they do these tastings and they they gave a they give reviews. I mean that it's almost like a full time job tasting all the wines that come from different Gallo farmed vineyards. God, it's I mean, well, and, that'd be a great job to have. Pure number but, of people that produce yeah, a stagecoach, right? Wine. It's you know, I, I there was a podcast where they interviewed someone that was the vineyard manager up there. It was a woman maybe? Yes. Or, yeah, Gabriel. Gabriel. Yes, she, and fantastic, yeah. fantastic person. Yeah, it, um, it was fascinating to hear about that vineyard. It's, it's just it's unbelievable. It's a thousand acres. Yeah, it's it's gigantic. Yeah. You you know I I've seen skeletons up there from winemakers who have not been able to find their way out. <laughs> right, right, it's very, it's right. Very scary. Yeah, um, and they're I, all young winemakers. All too. young winemakers. Yeah, well, they yeah, were yeah. young when they started. They're young when they started. <laughs> I've I've actually uh, gotten two flat tires up there in that vineyard. <laughs> 
So kind of like when you're off-roading in Death Valley, you have to carry two tires and enough water for three days with you, no matter where you go. That's right. right. <laughs> so, um, but I've been very fortunate. Uh, you know, for me, my goal with Marson, with all my whites, is is very. You know, my philosophy is very roan centric, and I think in 2016 I finally nailed the Hermitage uh, aromatics and mouthfeel, that texture, the minerality. Um, it just has that fleshiness, and as as I said, just been bottled. So you give that some more time, that is going to just even get richer. So it's delicious. Yeah, very nice. And Jeff, Jeff, will you briefly tell us how you met these guys that you're doing the projects with? And I know I don't want to sound like Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live when he would say, "Remember that movie Roadhouse? Remember, <laughs> remember when you got in a fight with that guy and you ripped his throat out? Yeah, yeah that, that, that was that, that was that awesome. wine you did with the uh, gun glove. But yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's but, more like remember that time you went bowling? Right. Hey, remember that time I went bowling? This is for the so listeners that I, haven't heard this story. I just think it's such a great story. Yeah. All right, so yeah. it's 1998, and uh, it's it's my first time at Hospitalone, and uh, Matt Garretson, who was in charge at that point, he has this evening called Ronin Bowl. It's the craziest thing you got, and I'm like, okay, we're going bowling with all these winemakers, and there are these four guys from the Rhone Valley, you know, Gangloff, Coulerone, Villard, and Pierre Gaillard, and they know nobody, and you know, I've had their wines before, I know they're good. And they're just like standing around going, they don't know what to do. So it's, you're kind it, of a you're kind of a fanboy. I to am them. a fanboy. Kind of like we are to it's, you. Right. There right? You go. You know? sure. And so well okay. <laughs> But you know what? I know their wines. I've met them all, and I'm like, you know what? Guys be on my bowling team, you know? <laughs> so so at that moment they are horrible bowlers, by the way. Maybe Patonk is their thing, but bowling, not so much. I've I've never seen a grown man get like a thirty before. <laughs> All right, just gutter ball. Can we get the bumpers ball. out here for these? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> we what, didn't what, win that night. What you're not saying is that you're the top in your league. So uh, yeah, right. I was, I was the best player. bowler on my team. And, yeah, I was the best bowler. I got 125 because <laughs> you know we've been drinking a lot of Condrieu that night. So uh, so you know the opportunity to meet these guys and have a one on one and and just have a chance to 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 really spend time with your winemaking heroes in a very casual setting. Yeah. Cool. Um, has really set the tone for the future of my relationships with them because nobody else really knew them. Nobody ever approached them, and uh, I think they, they feel that way that there's a special relationship that we've developed. Yeah, and it's now been 20 years. It, yeah, that's scary. It's scary, you know? No. I mean, Look how much the wine business has changed in 20 years. Totally changed. Look, and and you know. even even the, the Rhone. The Rhone Look how much world the Rhone world has. Has changed. I mean, the Rhone 1998. No, nobody went to go visit the Rhone. Not really. Not really. Not not on not, a tourism type of thing. No, no, no. And the and, only and, buying, only person buying Rhone wines in California was Sandra Bernstein. Right. There you go. Nineteen ninety eight. But but you think about you know all the friendships that we've all developed through Hospice to Rhone, um, and how it's influenced our winemaking, and not just our winemaking, but their winemaking also, and also in in Australia and and South Africa. Uh, I think, you know, we're all better because of it. Um, I know my friendships have really helped me in my life and my understanding of winemaking. So life is good. Mm. I don't think you would ever see that from Bordeaux or Burgundy, for well, sure. I, I, no. right. And that, 
there Absolutely. is some, and maybe it's because of Hospice to Roan. There's um, the Roan producing community, and it also feels like you know the Roan Valley sort of vibe. It's so much similar to the Sonoma vibe, where there's a little bit of uh, you know the spirit of collaboration and cooperation, and and you know at the end of the day, yeah, we're all in competition i mean literally your tasting room is the closest one to mine and i want to crush you on a daily basis but i also want people to go there and i want your people to come to me because it means they're on the right path that's right Um, Right. and i don't it doesn't happen like that i know it doesn't happen like that in in napa i hear it all the time talking to people and maybe it does a little bit but they're they're frustrated by and so is it the roans are we just all friends because we drink grenache i I think so i think so you know I, I made this wine with uh, Pierre Gaillard in 2003. Uh, we called it Pourquoi Pas. You know, we yes. were at bowling. Yes. Once again, bowling. Yes, of course. And I, I said, you know, why don't we make this wine together? You know, Brock Pile and Cote Roti. It's like, why not? Anything is possible. So we call it Pourquoi Pas. And I remember going... It's possible. It may not make economic sense. It didn't make but it's possible. any right. sense at all to do. All Does right? Pourquoi Pas mean don't tell my wife in French? Yeah, initially, <laughs> initially, because... You know, once again, it will say on my gravestone, he didn't make any money, but he had fun getting there. All right. So, you know, so we did this project together and uh, I went back to France for a, a function of the Decover, which is an incredible, incredible function. And uh, the first night we had the Magnum party. And this is this is at a time that it was still not the young People coming into the industry, it was still the old school. And when Pierre presented this wine that was a blend of California and French, the old timers had a hemorrhage. They were ticked at him that why would you ever bastardize a Cote Roti with rock pile Syrah? And he was like, you know what? Because I can do what I want to do. Right. And you know what? I think that might be a little bit of why the Rhone is. I think the younger generation came into the business in yeah, France. Let's, let's do the Rhone. Let's do Rhone first. Um, you know what I mean? I think the younger generation came into the Rhone business before they have in Burgundy and Bordeaux. I think you know, so. I mean, Bordeaux is probably more corporate and 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 stuff at this point, and Burgundy is more sure. traditional. And yeah. you know, you had a bunch of young kids in the Rhone trying to figure out what they're going to do. Young, 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 oh, dumb and broke in the coat. Look, every year, every year I'm very fortunate. I have two interns that come to work for me from the Northern Rhone Valley, uh, you know, because I have this project that we're going to talk about with Yves Coulon, uh, that he sends them to me. He trains, I train, back and forth. It's a great relationship. So these, these interns keeping Ben in line out there now? Yeah, <laughs> they've been great. You know, it's been really interesting. Uh, three of them have turned out. Three, four of them have their own labels now wow. in the Northern Rhone. So it's been been just a great. Like I was telling you, uh, Julian Session, he was one of my my interns. Um, he, very much a character. He met his future wife on the Bart. Uh, and uh, she's moved. Said nobody ever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she moved to the Rhone Valley to live with him, and they have twins. Um, so he's going to be doing this project in Walla Walla with me. Uh, his wines are amazing. He's a very passionate person. Uh, my favorite line from him was that, you know, the best way to, to learn a new language is on the pillow. So obviously he learned his English very well. <laughs> 
So. This is a French guy, right? French can we, guy. Can we get that on a t-shirt <laughs> yeah, also? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So the first wine that we're going to, the second wine we're going to try is the Domaine de Chirats. Um, I wish everybody could see it, but uh, well, they'll see it. We'll, the we'll, label. We'll, we'll explain the label. We'll be putting it on social media. Social you media. can check it out on right. winemakers on Instagram and Twitter. So no. and if Facebook you look page? at the border of the label, that's yeah. Eve's Eve's label, and then you see that there's an iris. There's always an iris on every bottle of mine. Uh, my mother helped me start the business, and I, I respect her, and I think about her every day. She's no longer with us, and and I I want people to know that that's that she's very important to me. So I want that to be a focus, too. So uh, back in 2013, um, I decided, you know, we all know Syrah took a, a hit. Um, there was a stupid movie that came out, you know, Sideways, that screwed me over. Um, well, you remember that movie? Oh, yeah, no, I've seen it. Okay, it's <laughs> okay. To, uh, to have killed, Merlot. Yeah, it killed Merlot. It killed Merlot also, but in my, in my eyes, it killed Syrah sales. And um, it, it was really hurtful. Because uh, real quick, in 1989, that's when I think systematically people were planting massive amounts of Syrah mm -hmm. in northern Sonoma or in Sonoma County, right? right. It would be about that time. Yeah. Well, when did Hutton? Because Lee it Hudson was going to be the new. It was going to be. It was going to be the new brand that's or the right. new variety. Now, I you know being friends with Eve. Um, I, I wanted to continue making this section of the Rockpile Vineyard. I make four different Rockpile Syrahs from the same vineyard, but from different blocks. And I called up Eve. I said, listen, you know what? I want to continue this project, but Syrah has been really tough for me right now, you know? And I don't want to lose the vineyard. I need to continue. He's like, you know what? I'm coming out next week. Let's walk the vineyard. Let's talk. Let's talk about the project. Let's come up with some concepts. And uh, so this was before you'd ever put out a bottle of. Oh no no no! Oh, this this, oh, this is, is 2013 that okay. we were doing this project. Okay. Um, I've been doing uh, rock pile syrah since 2001, so from this particular vineyard. But this is the largest section of the vineyard, and it was like you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he's like, you know, came out. We walked. We talked. Um, we made some ideas of how we want to approach it. Very different style of winemaking than what I'm, I do for my own. It's a combination of both. Um, and uh, barrel program is a little bit different. It's changed over the years to, to more large formats uh, because we want to retain the freshness. Um, you know, the whole cluster project, the, the whole thing is, is different than what I do. So what we do is we make this wine together. He comes out a few times a year during, uh, to look at the vineyard. During before harvest, um, during the year to taste it, and then before bottling, and uh, we put the blends together, and then once we get everything in a bottle, half the production is actually shipped back to France, and he sells it there in his tasting room and wherever else he wants to sell it in the Rhone Valley. So, yeah. it's been you know for me a very good learning experience. Um, if you try this wine, it. It's, it's so much about minerality. Yeah. It, it really showcases the vineyard. I love the savory components. There's a freshness to it. Uh, it just, for me, this is one exotic wine. Yeah, yeah. It's very this is essential. one of your wines that I can always pick out. If you were blind in a lineup with all your wines, there's a very distinctive flavor profile with this wine. And will you talk about barrel selection? Because I know you like certain barrels and yeast for 
bringing out uh, flavors of chocolate and also flavors of vanilla in your white wines, but you you have sort of a little kind of a formula that you use. I, I, well, I don't know if it's a formula. Well, it changes every year. You'd have, sure. have to write it down. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, more. Yeah. It's it's more like a recipe. No, it's not. That's not it's fair not a recipe, either. No, guidelines. No, no. So, not so, rules. Guidelines. Guidelines. So, so imagine <laughs> ideas. You know, back when I was at Rosenblum, um, and I made seventy different wines at seventy different SKUs. Seventy. Right. Seventy. All right. But I had a program for each one, and everything was done on paper. Nothing was on computer at that time. Um, that shows how old I am. Um, <laughs> he just he started making wine when he was five years old. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like. so, so, and, uh, but my goal was back then was to match certain cooperages and certain yeast types with each of the different vineyards. So with a particular vineyard, I may use different, uh, like five different yeast types and maybe like 12 to 15 different barrel programs. Uh, so with my wine, it's a little bit less because I don't make as much. But um, for, say, the Rock Pile Syrah that we just had, um, that is 100% uh, indigenous uh, yeast because I, as the Rock Pile Vineyard produces a yeast that's very strong. It was isolated as RP15 because right. that's what I did. Um, so I never worry about the Rock Pile. Um, with, say, the Marsan, um, I like using the, without giving away everything, uh, there's a Marsan yeast that I like to use, and uh, also uh, you are our first guest that that with it said without giving away everything. That's, right, you know. without giving away everything. Yeah. Be sure to visit Jeff Cohn Cellars Tasting Room on the Sonoma Plaza to find out all the secrets. Thank you all when you so when you join the member club and buy two when, cases. That's right. <laughs> but there's you know there you know and matching the barrels like like the Domain de Chirats. All right, so the Domain de Chirats. You know, there's a particular cooperage that that Eve wants to use um, across the board. So that's what we do, um, you know. And with the, with the Marsan, there are particular barrels that I like to use that I think really match up with it. So um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy to figure it all out. Um, and, and I think that's what I've accomplished. And you know what? I'm, I'm actually write, writing another article for Wine Business Monthly on, on barrels, mm -hmm. which will be coming out after I get done with Harvest. <laughs> um, so look for that. Looking forward There's to that. There's a plug. There's a plug. So I still get phone calls from all those articles I've written in the past wow. about the barrels and yeast programs. So yeah. well, I mean, the amazing thing about this wine is that Sometimes the knock on Syrah is that it's, you know, too kind of fat and lays across the palate. And, man, this wine stands up in your mouth and makes it, you pay not, attention to it. It's not too much, right? No, it's I, not I, too much. I, I, don't, I don't want to make a wine that's heavy. No, um, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not it's, heavy. It's not it stands heavy. up and it's proud as opposed to falling apart on your palate. I mean, and it's what, 15-2 alcohol? I don't even know. I don't even care. But, you know, it, it's, you know... And, and I, I think I told this story before. You know, we're coming down from stagecoach. I've got Eve Gangloff, I got Francois Viard, and I've got Eve Coulon in the car. Uh, my wife is driving, and my wife, being who she is, asked them, "Whose wines do you like in California?" And with you in the car, and with me in the car, right. it's not going to put you on the spot. Uh, it anything, doesn't but... put me on the spot. And I was like, "Don't say my name, please. Don't say my name." But Eve Gangloff was like, "You know what? I really like your husband's wines because they're very French on one side, very California on the other, and I'm the tightrope walker in the middle." So, and I think that's what this wine is. Yeah. You know, I always say God was a Frenchman who liked a vacation in California. Um, 
No, you know we, what I like in this sunshine. Well, he wanted to learn. He wanted to learn American uh, English and on a pillow. On, on the pillow. <laughs> on the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Frenchman who wanted to learn English on the pillow. I think Syrah can be a beast sometimes, but I what I like about this wine, and I kind of think of it in in terms of uh, King Kong. Remember when King Kong used to hold uh, Fay Ray in his hand? King Kong would go demolishing buildings and stepping on cars. Um, but whenever he held Faye Ray in his hand and kind of stroked her hair with his with his finger, he had that delicate touch. This is this is kind of like that. You're riding that balance of uh, uh, power and finesse because uh, it's a really pretty wine as it's well. It's a pretty wine. Yeah. No, yeah. the aromatics and the um, and it's only been in the bottle for when did you bottle this? Three months ago. Three months ago. Wow. So it, it just needs more time to really yeah. come together. What would your now. like projected release date be? <sighs> Not not for another uh, six to seven months, yeah. but it, but if you guys want to buy in the future or closer now, I would sell it. <laughs> it's in the bottle. It has it's a label on it. It's for sale. We will sell <laughs> my wine before it. it's time. <laughs> we will drive it around the block to age it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Jeff, you I remember from the last show, you didn't even. Well, I, I think I found this out. About Do you remember things that, from the last show? Yeah, that kind of. Not okay. the second one. But um, Jeff actually would prefer that people come in and drink wines right out of the barrel. I, I would, because I really think they taste better out of the barrel. Yeah. I, you know, I don't do a lot of barrel tastings with people because some, you know. But right. it, I, if I could just, when it's perfectly ready, I would rather yeah. just taste it right then and there, and right. and just get that experience that I get knowing what that wine tastes like yeah. then. Yeah. Do you guys uh, ever I've, bring a barrel into the tasting room? Do you ever uh, do that? No, that's, no, no, no. Questionably, <laughs> questionable legality. Uh, yeah, that's a... Uh, yeah, oh, a legal know. issue. I thought oh, you were yeah. going to say... No, no, we might have done that at an old winery that I worked at, but right. we would never do it now. So. <laughs> that's because Alexandra's listening to this. Right, that's right. <laughs> we love you, Alexandra. Uh, so. Did we... I don't remember from the last show... Let's do the, just the brief, like how Jeff Cohen ended up in wine. You're from the East Coast. You know, what the progression is to to starting JC and then oh and then gosh. translating so, to so so it's really actually very easy. Uh, like what 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 was the, like spark that you're like I'm gonna go devote the rest of my life to driving around Northern California looking at vineyards. All right, so I have yeah. an associates in culinary arts from Johnson Wales from Providence, Rhode Island, and a BS in hotel restaurant management from Florida International University. And I took a, you know, you're always involved with beverage. and But I took this wine and beverage class uh, when I was living in Miami. And I got to tell you, the first day my professor brought out um, Zinfandel and Chateau Neuf de Pop. Right. What, and what, not to date you, but what year are we drinking Chateau Neuf de Pop in Miami? This is uh, 1983. Okay, so there's not, I mean, there's like a big, nobody was drinking Chateau Neuf de Pop it was, in It was a Beaucassel, all right? So, um, and and the Zin, so, you know, you have this experience, right? You're, you're tasting these wines, and, and my professor, Professor Greer, um, he's like, you know what? I want you to see how similar Zin is. And Chateau Neuf de Pop can be fist in right? the air for so so you know <laughs> radio audience thinking about that back then it's like are you I don't know anything at this right. point and you know down the road I'm going this guy really really knew what he was talking about because there's so many similarities for me for Zin and Chateau Neuf de Pop Grenache especially you know especially if it's grown correctly um, 
And the opportunity to to taste these wines side by side. Do you remember what the Zin was? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, and I'll okay, get to that. that. Sorry. <laughs> so 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 imagine you have this this Zin from Ridge. Okay. All right. It's the Eschen Vineyard Fiddletown Zin from Amador. Old, you know, and it wasn't even really old vine at that point. It was just head trained Zin. All right. So these are two wines that have just my mind is just, you know, the Chateau of the Pop, the, the Zin, especially the Zin, because I think Zin was easier to totally understand than a, than a Chateau of the Pop for me at that point. I think your palate has to really develop a little bit more, at, and I hadn't gotten there yet. But the Zin was always in the back of my mind. So imagine a few years ago, I'm doing consulting for Renwood, and I'm tasting through the barrels, and I come across a wine called Rinaldi. And I'm like, God, this Zin from Fiddle's Hand is just blowing me away. I have got, not the darkest, not the biggest wine, but just something about it. Something triggered in my head. I was like, I got I to gotta meet this grower. So I did. I went and met Gino Rinaldi. We sat down, talked about maybe getting some fruit, find out the history of this beautiful head-trained vineyard. Turns out that it used to be called Eschen. So now I am making Zin from the same vineyard that inspired that me to make sparked the whole thing. The whole awesome. thing. That's yeah. a great story. So, so uh, you start there, um, and then you know I worked in the hospitality industry. Uh, my last real job before I started making wine was working for Windjammer Barefoot Cruises in the Caribbean. Wait a minute, you considered that a real job? It was a real job <laughs> compared to being a winemaker. It's a compared real job. to working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I worked in the Caribbean, and my one of my days off was in Martinique, and I became friends with a very, very nice young lady who owned a wine shop on the island. And I is that spent, where you learned French? Uh, <laughs> I can't say that because I was dating my wife. I was living with her. I was living with my girlfriend, who is now my wife. I would never say that. No, 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 no. No. Uh, no, 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 no. Because no. my wah. French is horrible. Oops. So wah, wah, wah. No, 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 no. I, st- I still don't know French, David. I still don't know French. So obviously, I wasn't learning anything on the pillow. Okay. I love you, Alexander. Um, so, uh, oh my God. So, Sorry. So, <laughs> Way to get me in trouble, right? Here. Exactly. Uh, so, so you know, every everything you do in life is an experience that leads you to that point. Um, you know, after I left working for Windjammer, I was like, God, I, I, I have to do something different with my life. I have to do something that's going to excite me, uh, inspire me. Working the hospitality industry is fantastic because I know that's what you do. <laughs> but, but for me, I wanted to do something that I had that was tangible that I could touch and, and create something that I could share with other people in, in say, a bottle form. Right. And, and that's what I decided to do. I wanted to have something that I can make now and that I could share later on. Right. So, and that's why I decided to go into what I was doing. Um, I always thought I had a pretty good palate, uh, and I, I had crazy ideas in my head of what I thought great wines could be. And when I went to school, uh, I drove a few of my professors crazy because I had a lot of questions uh, you know when you go to school it's always about you have to do it this way this way this way and this way but in my head I was like you know what why why you know why do you have to do it this way and and you know we can come back to Eve Gangloff uh, when I went to visit him 
uh, I tasted through his coat rotis with him in 1998, 99, and I asked him about racking. And he goes, is there a problem? Is it, does it, is it reductive? I said, no, it's perfect. He goes, oh, I never, re- I never rack. I never rack. I never rack. And I'm like, then why the hell am I racking? Right. You know? So, right. I mean, we everything it, systematically, we used to at Kenwood and Benziger, you know, every three months just rack and splash rack. And, and it was, there was a lot of discussion as to are we doing this because we really feel it's making the wine better or are we trying to advance the age so we can bottle it sooner or whatever? And, um, but it, it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make sense. Well, and it's I, disruptive in a it's way, it's disruptive. <laughs> yeah, it's no. like, you know what, why, why bang the hell out of your wine? Um, right. You know, for me, you know, a lot of times less is more. And, and when we talk about less is more, we can talk about barrel sizes, too. Um, 228s are, are slowly disappearing from my cellar. Um, and the, to be clear, for the 228 is the standard. It's standard 60-gallon. Right. If you think barrel, like what you're getting to plant your hydrangeas in that's it's right a, the the half a uh, barrel that you have in your backyard is, right, is a, two, it was a 228 right. at one point right and and we decided that you know after a lot of work and a lot of understanding of what the fruit is all about working with between 300 and 1000 liter barrels has been much better for me um the larger i think retains the freshness of the fruit that we have here in california um the richness um you know, when I work with, say, whole cluster, I really want the whole cluster component to really show. And, and, and using a larger format barrel, I think, brings that out more. Hmm. Um, you know, when I first started that Domaine de Chirats, it was all 60-gallon barrels. We are at 500 and 600-liter barrels now. Uh, so with this wine that we're trying now, the Ziotoni Syrah, which comes from uh, the Martinelli Vineyard in Sebastopol, um, it is aged in 300, 500, and 600 liter barrels. It is uh, 30% new. On the Domaine de Chirats, it is 30% new also. That seems like, and, and you say that was, uh, the Marsan was 30% new also. Yeah. So is, this, is that kind of a magic number for you as far as, uh, you know, it's, or is it, it vintage? Yeah, specific? it's all about the vintage. It's mm-hmm. also about the vintage, what I think the vintage could hold. But, you know, I'm finding that, you know, there's definitely certain vineyards that I still use a lot more. For like my rock pile, Buffalo Hill, and the Sosarine, it's 100% new oak. But for, for like the Domain de Chirats, and we're going to try these other Zins, which are only 20% new oak. Um, that's all it needs. Yeah. It just, you know, I, I look at oak as, as like makeup on, on, a, on a woman. Um, I, you know, someone who does makeup correctly, right. you know, you don't notice it. Right. It's, it just accentuates right. everything, um, and that's what that's what oak should be. Right. You know, it should just be there in the background. First time I've heard that analogy. I like it. Right. So and you don't want all that makeup smeared on your pillow. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so the Zio, Zio Tony Ranch is Russian River Valley, mm-hmm. which is the crow flies is not far that far from Rock Pile. Of course, there's probably a elevation difference oh, of what totally fifteen hundred feet difference absolutely. in elevation. Fifteen hundred, and um, I imagine Ziotoni is much more deeper soils, um, cooler climate. cooler climate. Um, it takes forever to, to get right, right, right. And whereas you know, Rock Pile is truly grown on rocks, it's truly grown, yeah, on not rocks. just a clever name. Yes, no, not a clever name. Um, 
You know, I've been friends with the Martinelli family since 1993. And uh, they called me up and said, you know, would you ever be interested in making any Syrah from Zio Tony? And I was like, why not? Why'd you wait so long to call me up? Um, so we started in 2015, but I think the 2016 is, is really at the point where I, yeah. you could see how great wine. this is going to be. Yeah. Um, as, as you've seen so far when you've tasted my wines or looked at my wines, they're all very light in color. Um, <laughs> That's why I wore my darkest tie dye for this episode because I kind of thought it was a rose we were drinking. It was a rose, yeah. It's pretty dark, you know. I'm I'm very fortunate, you know. I've, I've like I said earlier, I work with great growers, um, Martinelli, uh, Phil, Katori, uh, and and the Martinelli family. Um, you have to work with good people. Well, tell us how you get that color. What is it that that um, that creates that deep, it's dark raw. color in it's your wine. It's Jeff Cone magic. Oh, please. Um, you know, without giving away everything. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know what? Uh, if I if I didn't, if I thought that you were going to hold back on us, we wouldn't have had you come without back. Without giving it. You know what? I we got to wait to the second, <laughs> the second show and things I, you like that. Yeah, the second <laughs> show is when I give it all away. I guess we just have to take Ben out to lunch. <laughs> there you go. You know what? All honestly, there, there. You know what? We all know there are absolutely no secrets in in the winemaking world, except if you're working for Right. All right. Um, with the, you know the private. Right. Of course. The, yeah. Remember the, the, the Chardonnay thing. Um, but right. uh, for me, ML. for me, you know, all honestly, uh, there's no secrets. Um, everything is about punch downs, foot stomps, um, trying to get the extraction that you really want from the wine. My, my feeling is I like to build up my tannin levels in the wine. I know a lot of people like to see softer tannins while they're fermenting. To me, I don't mind if my tannin levels get high because I know that they're going to build a chain and sooner or later they're going to, to drop. And that's how I get the richness and how I get the color that I want. So, right. No secret. And your reds, you, are you doing whole cluster on most of your reds? I do. Um, this Zio Tony was 60% whole cluster on my... Really? 60%? 60%. Wow. And ripe, ripe stems. Ripe stems. Yeah. It has to be, you know... Yeah. Yeah. And every year that could change, you know, on, on the... It, ju- uh, it just doesn't taste like no, it has that no, much no, whole no. cluster. It's not no, no. stemmy at all. The, the Zins are usually 15 to 20% whole cluster. Wow. So and we do not crush any of our fruit. It's all whole berry. Um, we do a lot of foot stomps. That's why you hired Ben Pickering. You got big right. feet, big freaking <laughs> big feet. feet, canoes. <laughs> we love you, Ben. I know you're listening. Right, and the winery better be clean. Yeah, you know what? I gotta tell you, it's spotless. It's spotless. Okay, so I'm really happy. Yeah, you got your new spot over there in Santa Rosa, and you guys have kind of you you weren't hit by the fire, but it was blocks away from from where your facility is. I drove by one day and tried to get in, but you guys were in vineyards that oh day. Oh so. my god! Nice yeah, spot. Nice I spot. That. Yeah, nice spot. Hey, you know what? It's a great spot. Um, it's easy for all my growers, um, and uh, it's big enough for everything that I do. The crazy way that I do things. Uh, most of my fermentation is done in half ton bins and three quarter ton bins. So um, you need a lot of room. You need a lot of room. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's one thing that we used to do at Rose and Bloom was all those half ton bins. At, at at one point, we would have between three hundred and five hundred uh, half ton <laughs> bins on the floor at a time, punched down three times a day. Wow! So, uh, so I, 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 let me ask so you. So what question. I'm doing now is easy. Right. Right. So a, a question about that. I, I've always felt that one of the problems with half ton bins as opposed to three quarter ton bins is building enough 
um, temperature with the smaller mass. Um, so I, not that I've done it. I've just kind of felt that it was that way. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you have, is it, I do, is I it do. a cooler fermentation on a small I, bin? I, I will tell you when, when I worked at Rosenblum, we had issues that our temperatures used to get too hot in those half sun bins. And, 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 and this, I, yeah. I really don't know why that was, but now I have learned to manage the temperatures where I think my winemaking has changed a lot, where I used to want to get temperatures up to like 92, 94 in right, the cap. Right. Now I only want it to get up to about 88. Right. So the way I set up my bins, I uh, give it a little more space in between so the heat doesn't build up as much. Um, I think what I'm doing is I'm getting better fruit. Right. Um, I'm still getting those dark components that I want right. without going over and losing certain things that you get in the mid and in in the, the, the finish. Right, yeah. So Okay, thank um, you. Jeff, have you ever heard of a... Cody was on the assistant winemaker at Bedrock, and he was talking about a submerged cap, and he likes to do this on some of his uh, wines where he it's takes... Syrah. It's very, very rich. It, it takes very, sort very of rich. a... Yeah, and that's what we discussed yeah. it with him. He takes a steel plate and actually puts it down right on actually, top of the cap and keeps it submerged it. for like so, five days so, or something. So I'll tell you, because uh, I'll tell you a good story about submerged caps. Um, Perfect. You know, <laughs> Are you listening, Cody? <laughs> yeah, you're listening. Um, so, so ridge... That's very much a rich thing, um, and I know Mike uh, over at uh, Dash Cellars. Mm-hmm. Um, give him a plug. His Les enfants terribles. He, uh, I don't know how much he does now with submerge caps, but uh, he used to do these submerge caps, and man, I'd look at the color on those wines and the flavors and the aromatics. I'd be like, damn, I'd love to be able to do that, you know, but. My 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 tanks and doing half ton bins. It's not set up to do that. Right. Um, but I think it's a great idea. I think it brings a different flavor profile. Do I think I'd want to do that for all my wines? No. I think it. I think as a component, it's a great thing. But I yeah. think, you know, the punch downs for me is the better way. Um, so when I was at Rosenblum, thank you, Kent. When I tell you this story, because he he allowed me to experiment all the time. So I got together, I think it was like six different kegs, right? 15-gallon kegs, cleaned the heck out of them. I had a special board made, and we, over at, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, give them a plug, but uh, we set it up that we could put these these 15-gallon kegs on top of this plate and push it down so we could do a submerged cap. And it was the... Yeah, I can tell you it was the uh, Zin from Paso Robles, uh, the Sret Vineyard. And uh, I thought, God, this is going to work great, doing it in a half-ton bin. It's not a good idea. <laughs> Didn't work. Didn't work. But but initially, I thought the aromatics and flavors were really good doing it in a half-ton bin. But in the end, it didn't work. But in a tank, it's a perfect situation. Yeah. So I think, you know what? It all depends on what you're trying to achieve. I mean, it's a different flavors. It's different fruit components. I think it produces uh, maybe a darker wine, but uh, sweeter. Yeah, and that's kind of the idea of the conical-shaped tank that are gaining in popularity Absolutely. now is that it forces more skins to be in contact with the juice all the time. Well, and that's the the egg too, right? The concrete egg. Yeah. And the idea is it creates a con, like that a convection vortex. current yeah, that, yeah, that pushes it, keeps the, the cap but, pushed but, down all the but time. But it all depends on what you wanted to achieve, you know? Right. If you don't want to achieve that, that's it's not, you know... Right. 
Hey, and I've got a I've got a question actually that's been yeah text- we have some we, okay you got some it's text- been texted in by uh, Ian Blessing who's the song with the French Laundry he, he <laughs> so jealous he's it, not here right now he couldn't make it today but he wanted to he wanted me to ask you something or or he can have a pallet of my Marsan if he wants uh, I I will let him know <laughs> we put that on the tasting menu at the French Laundry per se ad hoc and addendum please perfect okay. <laughs> he's wondering what winemakers think about this vintage it's been so nice and cool without all the heat spikes of last year another elegant 2010 type year he's asking you, you know it's really interesting it said 2010 um, 2010 was uh, even almost colder and foggier right it is it's yeah. colder and foggier but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out here right now. If it stays the way it is, I think it's going to be better than 2010. Uh, 2010 is one of my favorite vintages. Um, Make him wait until he gets listens to the podcast to get yeah, an yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, don't tell him. Don't tell Just, him. Like, don't tell Jeff, him now. Jeff has a great answer that you have to listen to this week's podcast I, I, to find out. I might have a follow-up, though. Okay. I, but you know what? I think it's a beautiful vintage. Um, so far, everything has been great. You know, uh, I think yeah. this year is being especially nice to Zinfandel. Mm-hmm. I agree. Slow, hang time, slow. Hang time, given hang, hang time, time, those green berries are catching up to the purple ones. Nothing's showing any, you know. Um, but I'm not going to jinx it, so I'm, I'm not, not going to. No, have anything. you picked anything? Uh, no, no. Only, on vacation only, only samples. <laughs> okay. Ben's on vacation now. <laughs> so we do have another good question that came Friday, in from Friday. came in from Instagram that we'll I'll hit you with it right sure. now. Um, our friend uh, Todd Jolly down at Sonoma Sonoma's Best wants to know what your favorite vineyard is to work with. I mean, really, <laughs> Todd. Really, Phil doesn't listen to the podcast, so you can say whatever you right. want. <laughs> It's like choosing your favorite child. Right, exactly. I really don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> well, no, like the San Giacomo said when we asked him that question, it's not it's not what's your favorite. It said, what's your least favorite? <laughs> they, they said it's easier to pick out their least favorite one uh, to work with. You I, know what? Uh, All my vineyards are great. Otherwise, I wouldn't <laughs> be working with them. Right. Uh, you know what? They're all special. They're all special in their own way. Uh you know, I like them all in their own way. I think each shows an expression of terroir differently. Um, and when I taste my wines, there, there are certain wines that I prefer to drink at certain times um, than others. All right. So, let, let me reflect. Number one, that? your favorite you Thank you very much. wine that you've ever made. You make 25 wines a year. You've been making wine for uh, some amount of years. And it can't uh, be something that's available uh, now uh, on right. the website. No, absolutely not. You <laughs> right. want to know what my favorite... <laughs> seriously, that my, that's, for, that's selling slowly. <laughs> right. My favorite wine that I think I've ever made, all honestly, uh, 2011, which was a... A, a winemaker's vintage. <laughs> no, yeah, winemaker's vintage. It was a nightmare. It was, But uh, the So Serene that I make from Rockpile. Because it was a really cool vintage. Um, this is Budwood called Serene that I brought over in a suitcase at one point, or some guy who looks just like me yeah. from, with a, <laughs> from Coroti. With a passport uh, from Cousel Roche. And uh, it had this incredible hang time, but it was so cool out there that it made a, a Syrah or a Serene that was so Coroti and so. Uh, Do you add VNA to it or no? Absolutely none. Right. It's it, it came across just like a, a Le Grand Place from Clouzel Roche. It was for me. It was to me to this day is still one of my favorite wines I've ever made. 
And you still got a couple cases at home? I still have 2011s. I still have three bottles of that. Wow. So Shoot. Well, what's the first thing that you're going to bring in this year? What do you think is going to come in first? St. Peter's Church is coming in on Friday. And that's in uh, Cloverdale. What what varietal is that? That's Zin. That's Zin. Okay. 100% Zin. So you Uh, pick a red before any of the whites. Oh, well, it's I, Zen, I'm right? going. I'm going yeah. up to Stagecoach today, but I don't expect my Viognier from Stagecoach, uh, the two guys, two barrels project they do with Gangloff, to come in for another three weeks. But I just want to see where it's at. Yeah, we saw um, um, Hardy Wallace was picking Movedra yesterday from Evangelo. Yep. Um, Contra Costa. Contra Costa. Yeah. Dry farmed. Yeah, and we were just up there in Ukiah or Mendocino the other day looking at the Shannon. So the, the Shannon Blanc's not even ready, but he's picking Movedra. That's because of that site, uh, I'm sure. And, the, and, and a little the, bit stylistic. Uh, right, yeah. for, uh, right. For their, uh, for Dirty and Rowdy. Yeah. This is why it's blowing you away right now, isn't it? It's, yeah, we're, we're all, we're all yeah. um, starting to smell the, the new Zinfandel. That new Zin, I, Iron, Iron I, Hill. I, I was going to say, and it's a Sonoma Valley Zin vineyard, and I don't know where it yeah, is or anything about it. It's off of Thornsbury Road. Off I just, of Thornsbury, just rode yeah. my bike past 55, it today. 55 degree slope vineyard, all volcanic rock. Um, it is, it is insane. It's all. This uh, isn't the. What was is it that triangle shaped one? No, no, not Arrowhead. It's Arrowhead. Okay, Arrowhead's next to it. Okay, and uh, it's called Iron Hill because of all the iron. It's all volcanic right. rock. Yeah. I mean, there is really no soil up there at all. Um, it's the old Cook clone. Right. And uh, that's a filicatory pointed video. You know that. That's where I grew I mean, that's where I lived when I was born. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So, um, for who, me, uh, you know. I'm sorry. Who gets the cooks in You know, I don't know days? if it's actively farmed. Farm. I know that Morgan was getting it for a minute. Um, I don't know what's going on up there. Yeah. Um, that was one of those storied Sonoma Valley Zen vineyards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, talk ahead. about a place that's just a big pile of rocks. Right. Which yeah. is one of my favorite yeah. one of my favorite Zins. Uh, you know, for me, I've been very fortunate to get this. This is a guy's backyard. It's a beautiful 55-degree slope vineyard set in an amphitheater setting with a big patch of, of uh, uh, lavender in the middle, mm. which I really think... Brings out some little, aromatics. Garik, like yeah. um, it has that chocolate notes to it. You know, whenever my friends from the Rhone Valley come out, they're like, "This is not Zin. This is." This I was gonna say, are, are, it's very Northern Rhone. Are you? Are you? Are you sure that this is actually Zin now? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's just you know, and look, there's a hundred percent Zin. There's nothing yeah. else blended into it. Um, you know, that's why when I when I make Zin, and I think many people know this, when I make Zin, it's not about just Zin. It has to be something that takes it beyond what Zinfandel is. Um, it can't just be about you know blackberry, blueberry. Right. It has to be black cherry and chocolate and right. and and you know all these yeah. other Garrigue. It has to yeah. be special. This is, this is that way. Yeah, I mean, and you know, this is something that obviously uh-huh. we are believe in strongly at sixteen. Let's get the um, bubbles out of the sun right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, um, thank you. You see, it's bubbling. The away. the Zinfandel, and and I think Grenache is in this boat, and you know this goes back to, you know, 1983. I won't tell you what I was doing in 1983, but it was mostly being born. Um, yeah, diaper training. <laughs> uh, I was I was pretty slow to that, um, but 
putting a Zinfandel and a Chateauneuf de Pop on a table next to each other. Um, when you make the both of those wines uh, with the intent of being wines of place, there there really is a lot of similarities, and there's similarities in the way you grow them, and there's similarities to what you do, you know, in in the vineyard. Absolutely. Um, and but Zinfandel, uh, you know, in the same way that it kind of, you know, that Syrah kind of got overdone and overplanted, and then you know fell out of of, of fashion. You know, Zin has that same kind of reputation where you, if you try and make Zinfandel anything but a wine of place, it, it kind of loses it. Yeah, it loses its reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, look, I have people come in and and they try those wines and they're like, that that is that really Zin? It's right. like, yeah, it's Zin. It's 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 what it's supposed to be. It's it, you know, I'm trying to. To showcase what the vineyard is, um, and that's why I do the whole berry, and that's why I do the whole cluster because I think yeah. that's what the vineyard is is trying to show, and not just blackberry blueberry stuff. So you destem and then foot stomp. We do foot stomping, uh, so and then add in stems after. No, no, you no, no it's n- always whole cluster. Okay, so we'll do three days of uh, um, during cold soak, um, three. Punch downs a day during whole, you know, cold soak, and then five times a day during primary. Uh-huh. You know, it's a lot of work. It's, it's, lot of work. Um, it's very intense, um, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I my goal is to work very, very hard early on, and then the rest of the year, we don't rack, we don't, we don't taste. But every three to four months, at a barrel, I don't open barrels. Um, hmm. Like that's one of the things that winemakers, one of their biggest mistakes is getting into barrels constantly, pulling I, bungs, losing that vacuum. I don't want to do know. it. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's very hard. It, you know, it's a lot of work not to do something. Well, explain so that exactly to people, right. explain that to people who aren't winemakers. So you've got a barrel and because pe- so, people at home are imagining a barrel and it's got a little hole in the top and that's and that's where you put what's called you, the bung. It's right, that the little rubber, rubber bung. Plug. And left alone, it will create a vacuum. And so therefore, the wine is completely safe because nothing, no contamination can grow in a vacuum. Right. And a lot of winemakers always are in the barrels, tasting them, um, contemplating what their next move is as opposed to just leaving it alone and letting it evolve. Right. And every time you open that barrel up, you expose it to oxygen. It loses its vacuum. There's a chance of contamination, mm-hmm. um, a number of things. And if you just have confidence in your wine, leave it alone, check it every, every you know. Every three, t- you know, three to four months. I, I, try not to, I try not to touch the wine. Yeah. Um, right. You know, it's, it's hard to be a lazy winemaker. Um, you know, I mean, it really is, you right. know, there's another is. one for I mean, the t-shirts. Right. There's, there's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's so many other things that I need to be doing in that cellar. Besides going through the barrels, right, um, to make sure that those wines are safe and clean. Um, but that's a learned thing, though, right? Actually, which sounds counterintuitive is is being hands off. Where I guess young winemakers feel like they always want to be doing something to the wine to to improve it in some way. But uh, maybe sometimes that's what well, you want to do. You know, is just and, leave it alone. And a lot of. Um, a lot of winemaking that's taught at college, you know, they want you to be in the barrels every month and checking the analysis every month and making sure the numbers are right and the wine's quote unquote safe. And, um, and, and that just, you know, brings, it's just more work and the wine 
is always being touched. Right. Leave it alone. Right. Less is more. Oh, yeah. Let him grab yeah, the mic. Please stop. If you go to Burgundy, get in there. Get in there. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Sorry. If you go to Burgundy and you go to Rhone Valley, I feel like that's what they're doing every time you uh, you go into taste. I, I was at uh, Louis Jadot last year, and uh, the the winemaker said he goes to every single barrel every single day. And why do you think that is? Huh. I, I, you know, I, I can't speak for that. I've worked for winemakers who um, did the exact same thing constantly. I mean, they like to have a sense of where the wine's at and where it's going. You know, what do the new barrels taste like? What do the old barrels taste like? Um, I, I, I can't. I don't have an answer for that. But, well, the other thing too is um, if you, have, it's personal style. Or if you have thirty barrels of the same wine, you could probably dip in and out of one every day of one of the barrels, but maybe you leave the other 29 because you kind of have an idea of what's going on. But I mean, then, I mean, if you're opening that barrel every day, you're exposing it to oxygen different. every day. Yeah. And I, I don't have any data um, of that, but it, I, in my mind, it's going to be different than the rest of the lot. Yeah. So. This Zen is really good. Yeah, this Zen is really good. I mean, it's got this long finish mm-hmm. on it. And then, just, and then, and then, mm. That's one of the, all these wines... The the length, or you're just you're sitting yeah. there, you're talking, you haven't tasted it in a few minutes, but there's still yeah something there yeah, um, yeah. without it's, going over the top yeah without going it's not like it's not like I need uh, to go back over to the cheese and charcuterie plate that Bart so generously brought today uh, it's not like I need a glass of water it's not like you know I want a Negroni it's it's there it's pleasant it's but it's not it's not over the top at I, all I mean. <laughs> It's very floral. I, I would take a Negroni, though. It's, yeah. It's floral, but you know what I love about if you smell the empty glass, there's a caraway seed. Well, I must say, know? I get a caraway uh, seed yeah. and a fennel kind of finish also. A fennel, yeah. 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 I mean, this is, Jeff, truly like there's one of the nicest caraway in zins I've tasted in a long, long time. It's, I mean, this is it's beautiful. It's a special vineyard, you know? It's, uh, I love How many it. cases of this? Ooh, we make a big four barrels. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> Small. It's a guy's backyard. But you know, my my goal is, you know what? It's not always about quantity. It's about the quality. And you know, I want to take care of my my uh, my wine club. And you know what? It's about me too. You know, I, I, I something has to feed your soul. So it's a, not always about how much you make. It's what what makes you happy. Well, with twenty five SKUs and only six thousand cases, I imagine there's. Uh, quite a few of these small hundred lots. case. Yeah, they yeah. Gotta, but you know what? It's I mean, what it's I, I understand about. that. It's right. all I do. It's, it's, <laughs> I do. Yeah. You know, you gotta have that. I mean, that winemaking is not about. For me, it's not about total production. It's about what you are bringing out, um, and it's what you're bringing from your heart and soul into that wine. The passion that you're able to to bring to the table. Yeah. So it's awesome. Awesome. So we're on the Sweetwater's okay. next. So this is a really interesting vineyard. Mm-hmm. It's uh, another uh, 55 degree slope vineyard, very volcanic rock, very almost very similar to what rock pile is in the soil type. So um, different just on the nose. Oh my the God. Zin is um, all from the St. Peter's Church selection uh, from Cloverdale, which is another vineyard, obviously we were talking earlier that I, that I make. And and the St. Peter's Church, is that an old vine vineyard? It is. It's about 120 years old. Okay. 
So when he said um, a field or selection, that's different than a clone. That means that the budwood that was used what for this ever was in came that from that vineyard, and it is whatever it is. And pretty much, I'm going to say 85 to 90 percent of everything that's planted up in rock piles, Zinwise, is from this vineyard. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And it is like Masao selections, right? Cut. Yeah. So twenty percent of this uh, wine is um, and, uh, fermented and aged in concrete. Did you say where this vineyard was? Sorry, Water Springs is is um, it's Russian River. It's Russian River, really cool site, but beautiful hillside, and so it's, you get nice heat on there. For those of us that do know, do you um, know where Rokoli can you be more is? specific? You know where yeah, is? yes, it's right down the street from Rokoli. Okay. Yeah, there it's the it, best it, way to is it, it on Sweetwater Springs Road? It is. It's that on goes Sweetwater and that Springs road, road goes over into Guerneville. That's right. Um, yeah, That's I've exactly ridden my bike right. on that. That's a brutal hill. That's a brutal hill. I love watching the people when they're drive, trying to ride up that hill. Oh, yeah. I sit there and go, don't you know people have been drinking on the way over? Well, and the thing about it is you're riding <laughs> and, you, do it in the morning. and you go up this real <laughs> steep hill and then it kind of flattens off and you go, oh, I, 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 I did that ride. And then all of a sudden, then it's the death march up. So anyway, it back is. to uh, the wine. So, so when, you, when you try this wine, to me, this is more Chateauneuf de Pop than it is... Uh, Northern Rhone, as the the Iron Hill was. Yeah, be, chocolate and white pepper, um, which is pretty. Think of as shat enough to pop and and classic, old school California's in. Yeah, before yeah before it got whatever happened to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that white before, pepper is that that fleeting that fleeting uh, aroma that we're all chasing with with Zinfandel. You know. So many times I, I smell this wine, I taste this wine, I think, God, it smells like there's almost a Viognier in there. Interesting. You know, because there's that high tone. <laughs> right, it's right. That high tone. But it, it's, a, you know, it's just Zin and some Petite. There's a little Petite in here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of Petite. Awkward silence. Awkward silence. Yeah, is we're, we're all enjoying the wine. Sticking our faces it's, in those you know, glasses here. It's tasting great. So, Jeff, we kind of, in your career, there's one, we kind of stopped on that. So you moved out here, and your first job was at, at Rosenblum? Well, I went back to school. I went to back to school to uh, uh, Fresno State. Fresno State, where you, where you learn how camp. to make wine, not how wine is made. That's right. And <laughs> um, uh, from there, you know... <laughs> From there, you my heard gl- that, right? Uh, you go like to UC that. Davis to you learn know, how wine is right. made, and you go to Fresno to learn how to make wine. But, <laughs> but I think that'll I, get some people I, fired I think, up. I think my professors were a little bam, more bam, opened bam, up bam, to bam, what I was bam, trying bam. to accomplish. <laughs> I had a great group of people, and uh, at, at, at Fresno State, man, I had a lot of questions that I know. <laughs> I know part of the reason why some of those professors aren't there anymore is because I asked those questions because you know I, I was like always concept to me was why do we have to do it this way is this always the best way because the ph is perfect i i just didn't understand that if a higher ph made a a richer wine why are we doing the lower ph because it's safer who cares right you know so i I want something that tastes good so we asked bob cabral this question bob also went to fresno yep and we asked him ding 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 um were there anybody's Sorry. Were there <laughs> were there uh, any of your who were any of your classmates? Have any of them gone on to um, 
stay in the profession? Or oh, you- absolutely. I, pretty much all of them. Yeah. You know, uh, throughout all of California. Right. I've had, you know, I've had some who've gone on to different aspects of the industry, but, right. you know, a lot of them... People been, you're still in touch with and stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, like, cool. I, I spoke to Matt Heil today. Okay. He's the... Uh, he was working for... Uh, not Camus. What's the name of their, their company? Oh, um... I don't know. What's yeah. the, the overall the, brand? Right. Yeah. Tom? So he, nope. he's the vineyard manager for them. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I have lots of friends who have stayed yeah. in this yeah. industry. Just have curious. done incredibly well, both a lot in Santa Barbara. Um, we've all gone different directions. You know, my when I graduated, my friends were like, what, are you going to work outside of Oakland? Right. Why? Why? You can work in Napa and Sonoma or Paso Robles, Santa Barbara. You choose Oakland. I said, you know, I had this incredible interview with this guy, Kent with this, with this veterinarian. Veterinarian, <laughs> you know? Out of all people, three hours in a, in a barrel room with no, no uh, drains to spit in. Um, <laughs> and I said, man, I just, you know what? I said, this is a guy with a vision. Right, yeah. This is a That's guy awesome. with a vision, you know? And, and and I'm truly thrilled that I did it because I would not be here right now if I yeah, hadn't. Yeah, I mean that's you know. that's a that's that's a great career. You know, I was very fortunate, yeah, and great. trust me, I give my thanks for him every day. He's my neighbor down the street. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I give thanks for him every day. Trust that's great. me, that's great. There Sorry. you go, Ken. You got to plug in. <laughs> uh, should we go to some of the other? There's a couple other questions. Sure. From the social media. Well, uh, how'd you? Can I ask how'd you decide to make a sparkling? You know, I've been making rosé for a few years. and Wait, uh, wait, you have been making a rosé? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started making a rosé probably about seven years ago. Why have I never tried it? Because uh, you're not a club member. Because you know what? The goal is to make the best rosé possible. So it was a constant learning process. I actually started making a rock pile rosé and then what? a stagecoach rosé. What? And then I <laughs> went on to uh, making a GSM rosé and then... Because I love my wife, she said, "Why don't we make a sparkling rosé?" Yes, and I said, "You know what? If we're going to do a sparkling rosé, it has to be a Rhone style rosé, and it can't be done just by you know the method Charmé. It has to be done method Ch- Champenoise. So that's what we did. And uh, you've had a chance to try it. I have several bottles. And <laughs> good for you. <laughs> And my wife and enjoys it as well. There you go. So yeah. that, and you know what? If I'm going to do it, it has to be done that proper way. So yeah. I think this is beautiful. And what's it a blend of? It is, uh, I think it's 60, well, off the top of my head, it's 60% Grenache, 20% uh, Syrah, and 20% Maved. And I've had, I, I was talking to Thomas earlier about um, sparkling Rhones that, you know, being the buyer for the girl in the fig, I was always looking for a, for a sparkling Rhone wine to replace the rotor. Um, just because I to keep in theme of the uh, wine list at the restaurant, but I could never find anything that was that had a that was delicate and feminine and pretty. I always found stuff that was more kind of masculine, kind of lambrusco ish, you know, that was, right? yeah, too, too heavy. heavy. That was maybe with some cured meats was good, but just something that you wanted to sip on its own, um, sitting on the back porch. So, um, it, I was glad to see when I was, I was having lunch at the girl in the fig. Last week, and I saw that they were pouring this. Uh, this was open, and they were pouring it by the glass. So I was really, very happy about that. So, so for the first year that we made this wine, my goal was to make something. I, it was, it, you know, everything is experimentation. 
in life, right? Everything you do. So the first year I wanted to make something a little more taval, which is a little bit deeper, a little richer. Um, my second year I decided I wanted to make something that was a little more Provence, maybe a little more pink, a little bit lighter. So that's what we have done. And um, I've gone back and forth. And so I've, uh, for, this, for this vintage, I've decided to do something a little bit in between. And uh, they're, they're all fantastic, though. They're all going to be fantastic. This, for me, is, is beautiful. Yeah, I love this wine. I love the freshness of this wine. I love the vibrancy. Um, and so you're making this all in house. This, you know what? We're we're doing it out of house. Okay, I make the the base in house. Right, and we do it out of house. Okay, okay. Rack, because, because, you know, and the reason I, why I, I asked I, is because I, I lived my life through a Forrest Gump movie. Um, stupid is as stupid does. Um, do you know? Always do what you do best, right. and that's why when people ask me why I don't own vineyards, uh, it's because right. I have people like Phil Katori who knows what they're doing. Totally. Um, so for me, working with someone else to make this with me, and and you know, well, because it's different equipment and it's different, a right. little bit of a different skill set that you, you can certainly learn, but it's just a different kind of method. Always do what you do best. And Ben's hands are too big to be riddling every day. He right. doesn't want to riddle. <laughs> and, he, and he's two left hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As we all don't know, Ben is my assistant winemaker that we're making fun of right yes. now. And, and Ben has worked with my family for a long time. He's a Sonoma High graduate friend of my brother's and definitely somebody who um will give some shit to so and he'll give he'll give it right back right. <laughs> and, but yeah. he, and you know ben uh, has worked really in all sides of the wine business which is why you know he was so valuable to us in the tasting room is because he knew he worked in the cellar he'd worked he'd worked in other tasting rooms he'd done tons of vineyard work um and you know when you have that sort of you know, full rounded uh, experience, um, you can get past all kinds of obstacles, which is what Ben has done. <laughs> yeah, and and Ben worked with me for on and off for about a year, and um, yeah, he'll do anything, um, and he's just full of shit more than anything else. <laughs> which mean, is why he's can, such a good fit can, for Jeff Cohen Sellers. Right, right. <laughs> the guy can talk like nobody. He right. works, right. but he can he talk works like really nobody. Hard. He's he a does. good guy, and, totally. and and you know what? For me. I need someone to balance my neurotic tendencies, okay? So we all know that. My wife, that's exactly what she would tell you. And as long as you give Ben a couple hours every night to uh, go out and peruse the, the lady folk in town. We love you, Ben. We really do. Right, right now, Ben is listening. He's getting, oh, my God. What are you going to say? He's going, oh, my God, I'm somebody. No, he's not a player. He just crush a lot. <laughs> oh Ben! Oh Ben! <laughs> you know he's sitting around waiting for you to pick grapes. Is what he's doing right now. Friday, mm -hmm. Friday, Friday, St. Peter's Church. All right. So you know what I'd like to do? Let can we go back to the stagecoach? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Give you guys self a little bit of clean glass and man, that that see that sparkling yeah. is, the sparkling is just showing really well right I now. I know. I love it. There's nice strawberry flavors on it. Mm -hmm. mm. I mean, that's Grenache. It's, 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 it's yeah, totally. I mean, come on. And that's got a, I mean, by the glass of the girl in the fig in the tasting room, 
It's flying. It's got to crash. Yeah. It's yeah. flying. It's got to be like Ben on a Saturday night in Sonoma. It's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's Unstoppable. Yeah. Like a bee pollinating flowers. <laughs> it's moving place to place. So let's, let's pass that. So while we're doing this, Jeff, maybe you might want to talk about how people can find your wines. I mean, a lot of your wines are um, available across the country. Of course, they're available through the website. You have an amazing tasting room here in Sonoma. Thank you. Yeah, nice to have you here in Sonoma, out of uh, out, out of, of Oakland, Oakland. Finally, you know, we we decided we needed to be where um, we actually get all our fruit sources. Ninety percent of our stuff is coming from Sonoma. Um, so, that, did your that, growers give you a discount because they didn't have to drive as far? Uh, you know, it's really funny. You, I got to be honest with you. It's costing me less for my fruit to be trucked to me. So <laughs> there you go. Great. And less to um, move the wine. I mean, yeah. Makes no, sense. no, no. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean. Absolutely. These things all are part of it. It's everything adds up. Um, plus for me, I get to spend more time in the vineyards. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, you know, we all know what the, the Bay Area traffic is like. Um, so I think the wines are better because I'm here. Um, and I get to be able to spend time with people more yeah. with my growers and, and, and friends that I have here in the area. So Bart and I were just talking about that last week cause we were out at the, at the Buddha's Dharma vineyard and, and Bart has normally had a day job where he's working, you know, Monday through Friday or even Saturday sometimes. And so and some Sundays and some Sundays <laughs> and hasn't had a lot of time to go out in the vineyards, but we've, it's, it's been nice to actually get up and go do that and spend a little more time yeah. walking around checking out grapes. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's you, you can't believe how important it is to be out in the vineyard and watching the vineyard develop and change. And there's nothing like boots in the vineyard. Um, you know, rubber boots in the cellar and boots in the vineyard and um you 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 can't receive fruit having not seen it and expect to know really what to do with it. You yeah. have to know how the vineyard is developed. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, and that's and, why being closer for me has been great. Right. Um, you know, that being said, it's great and sometimes it's harder because you sit there and go, oh my God, I got to make sure this is done. I had to get right. in touch with the grower. So right. sometimes, you know, it, it, it's a little bit different. That's where the neurosis comes in. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, we actually didn't finish how we get Jeff Cohn's wines though. Right. Oh, no. There you go. How, you're welcome, so Alexander. My headphone went right. out. Um, yeah, sorry. The, I can the still. I can best, still hear you. The, there you go. The best way to get my wines is in the tasting room. Um, we are available throughout the United States, um, but the best way to make sure you get what you want is either going to the tasting room or calling the tasting room and getting on the mailing list or on the wine club um, and talking to Alicia. I'm giving Alicia a plug out there. She's she'll hook you up. All right. So. And the tasting room is the closest tasting room in the world to 16600 World Headquarters. That's a good plug for me, right? <laughs> I like that. Uh, right off the plaza, if you right know off Sonoma, the plaza. if you know Sonoma, the red grape are awesome New Haven style. A pizza, it's right next door so you can go, you can get a bottle of uh, Zinfandel and sit out there and eat a red grape pizza right which sounds like maybe what we should do after this that sounds like a that great idea a good idea and jeff i think it was it was cool to pull this out after drinking all the reds because now i'm getting that oiliness from the it's, wine it's, yeah it's, 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 when it's, got this, it's that more hermitage thing yeah. and the honey and, turned into is like graham it's like graham crackers it's like right 
That's a good it's call. Horrible. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and some yeah. toasted marshmallow. It's almost yeah, like it's got a little, it's got a little smore going there. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? It's so it's so Hermitage in its component. You know, for me, uh, especially aromatically, it's like Hermitage. It's Hermitage. I drink and and you know, uh, well, let me tell you the first time I made Marsan up at Stagecoach. I it was at it was at Hospice Room. Philippe Gigala was at Hospice Room, and uh, Jan Krupp was with me and. You know, I have this concept of, of how to make the Marson from his vineyard. And uh, he's like, you know, 18 months in barrel, that seems like a long time, Jeff. Um, and because uh, that's what this is 18 to 20 months. And uh, we have Philippe Gigal taste it at about, I guess it was like 10 months, 10, 11 months. And uh, he looks at me, he goes, You don't plan on bottling this. So I have the grower with me. And I'm freaking out because Philippe Gigal is asking me, you don't plan on grow, plan on bottling this? And my heart is sinking to my stomach like I'd been pulled over by a police officer on the highway. And I, I was like, well, I hope to. He goes, well, not now. You're going to wait for, you know, <laughs> way after harvest, right? And I was like, absolutely, whatever you tell me. <laughs> so he was like, this is going to be great if you wait. If you wait. And if you wait, and and that's my goal was to wait because I think Marsan needs that. Marsan has to be treated like uh, a red wine. It has to go through full ML. It, as we were talking about earlier about pH and TA, you know what? It's about it's about the terroir. It has to be mountain fruit. It has to have that component to it. So I think you're tasting this a little bit warmer now. You can see yep. that. Yep. I mean, yeah, you can so. see how, you know, if tasted in a uh, black glass, so you can see the color of the wine, you would almost maybe think that this might be a light-bodied red wine. I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's it's so rich, though. Yeah. It's so decadent. Right. I, you know, I, would this this be amazing with food? Yeah. So. Well, uh, Gigal, we got to see uh, at Hospice uh, this last year. That was a good seminar. That um, mm. I know I got to pour for and got to try some of those wines. And then you and I ran into each other at Bottle Barn like yep. the, yeah, yeah, a week yeah, after. Yeah, 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 we did. Fighting for the same last scraps of Gigal. I was we looking did. for a little San Joseph. I was like, oh, man, I've like, got to have more what? of that wine. No, what? And, and I've, I felt this way for forever. When you taste Marsan and Roussan done well. Yeah. It is the mo it's not about the peach and the apricot and everything like that. It, there's something more. There's something where it takes you to a different place. Yeah. It's it's just for me it makes my heart pound. It's like uh it's like your first love, you know? It's it's something. Um, that's how I learned how to speak Marsan. I mean, you know? No, it's 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 Marsan is you know what? You either love Marsan or you don't. It's it's different. It it's just something that makes my 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 blood flow. Yeah. And I would say, I, yeah, I would say it's an under under it's a misunderstood wine. It is to the general public. To the general public. Um, so fucking. But there's good. so many. <laughs> there's only a few places that can grow it right. Right. And well, right. I, and and I that's really why it's misunderstood. Coach is the proper one of the proper places in California. Yeah. True. All right, well, let's get all our uh, shout-outs. Oh, I got, some, I got some shit to plug, too. Let's do it. All right. Plug, plug. Oh, should I start? I start with... Okay. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Well, Vinyl Sunday coming up. 
Grenache Day, Vinyl Sunday, Tacos Duron. Yeah. Uh, our very first event at the Tasting House was Tacos Duron. I got a taco truck and poured some Grenache. We're stepping it up just a little bit this time. Uh, we got live music, uh, Clifford Brown, the third on trumpet, and his buddy Willie on with two turntables doing so live DJ and trumpet. A microphone. And the a microphone. And a microphone. It's, it's going to be awesome. And then. <laughs> Wait, the, this is the guy that plays sax with the with the turntables going so that yeah, exactly. the DJ will play the songs <laughs> and he's. And he, he's I think you sat next to him at he, uh, at the Philippe Combe birthday party. Super cool yeah. people. Super man. cool people. Yeah. And then uh, we got the fake. Uh, we're going to do tacos to Roan. We called in uh, the Roaniest people we know. Uh, and so we got the fig rig doing uh, duck confit tacos. Hell yeah. Duck confit tacos to Roan. Right. That's <laughs> September 23rd at the Tasting House. <laughs> Finishing out uh, Grenache Day weekend. Uh, so Grenache big Day plug. Weekend. Come to the Tasting Room. And then you can walk just down the street and go see Jeff. Right, which he will be serving no no tacos. tacos. Okay, no, so, no and in tacos. Fact, Jeff will probably <laughs> be doing punchdowns. Right, and uh, no, Ben will be doing punchdowns. Jeff will be eating duck confit tacos. <laughs> right, for those of Sorry. you out there that don't know, uh, International Grenache Day is the twenty first, which I believe is Friday. So we will all be at a private event on Friday. But there's which Ben is going to. So okay, okay cool. I want to give a plug we'll out to all Ben. Get a chance. Going to we'll all get a chance to get punched in the face by Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, we'll have Ben on the podcast for a rebuttal. Right. <laughs> ben, and what then, do uh, you do all day? I know Saturday and Sunday, the girl in the fig has things going on. They've got people pouring at um, at the Roan Room. At the Roan Room, yeah. Right. So they'll have winemakers, uh, I think. Um, Casey Graybill. Casey Graybill and Peter Mathis. Yeah. Um, we're going to be pouring on Saturday and then some other people on Sunday as well. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Bart and Dane Sellers wines, uh, still some Chenin Blanc available at danesellers.com. Um, and the, the 18 is going to be amazing. I know, um, out of this one vineyard, you got Hardy Wallace, you got Pax Maley and you got Bart all sourcing out of this one vineyard and they're all kind of, they're company. all kind of twiddling their thumbs right now, deciding on which day to pick. And I, but I know it's coming up real soon. Um, gotta be a week, two weeks out. Um, Sam, sixteen six hundred. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get a hold of the wines, come to the tasting room, come to the tasting, tasting room. house. Um, come visit us at Sante. You got Thomas, uh, who didn't get a lot of chance on the mic today. So but he will get you a reservation. He will get you a reservation. Here we go. Thomas, Let, let's Thomas. Yeah, what the hell? Get on Thomas, here and tell us. Tell us. Uh, what do you think about these wines? Well, and, yeah, you know, Thomas. What was the bottle of wine go. that changed your? Well, I think Jeff saw the wine. The, um, the the one he saw me like look up and say, "What is going on here?" Is the Iron Hill Vineyard? <laughs> there you go. It was so Northern Rhone like. It was incredible, or Southern Rhone rather. Has this uh, this deep uh, non fruit, this black pepper that I instantly picked up. So that would be the one for me. And well, then, I think and then Bart, what is the bottle of wine that? Yeah, Bart's talking life. about your game changer wine that you tried that kind of fired you up about becoming a song. Thomas is oh, a yeah. song as well. Yes, Jeff. Yeah. It would Jeff, be the if Jeff it was yeah. 2016, <laughs> right. right. He just changed his entire career trajectory. Yeah. He's now going to be Ben's assistant, assistant winemaker. Uh, the, I mean, the wine, the epiphany wine that everybody has for me is probably going to be Jean Louis Chave. Um, yeah, we've heard of that guy before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but my question is, was it the red or the white? It was the red for me. If you can get the white. It was the white. If you can get, I had a, I had a bottle of Jean-Louis Chauve white Hermitage last 
It's unbelievable. Out of Robert Kamen's cellar. It's like the only where, place you can only find it. And it kind of, it's kind of like Bart Shannon Blanc. The only place you can find Bart Shannon Blanc is Brian's garage. And the only place that you can find Shav. Uh, hey, wait a minute. That's not true. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I've been fortunate because I used to live, well, I lived near Kermit Lynch. And of course, that's right. where it used to come right. in. So um, I, I got to tell you, there, there is nothing better for me than a Jean Louis Shav Marsan, you know, or the Blanc. Yeah. Well, Tom, Thomas, get a get a plug out for us for uh, for the for the yeah. Kids what's going on? My dad, I, I was driving up here talking to Phil, and he goes, "Oh, how's the new chef at Sante?" So oh, the yes. inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, we have a whole new team: culinary team, chef, front of the house team. Our new chef, uh, Marcellus, started just a couple months ago. Yep. He's worked at some pretty reputable places. He's been at Alinea, Eleven Madison at, Park. Eleven Madison I mean, you're talking about yeah, heavy hitter restaurants. Yeah. And he's coming and taking this menu to a whole new level. I mean, he's he's got a dry age cooler now. We're dry uh-huh. aging ducks. We got pheasant. We got squab. Really, a lot of dishes that your wines, Jeff, would pair really well with. You know that game, black pepper, that smoked meat that I get on a lot of these, and um, and you know the reservations are, are starting to soar. We're starting to get a lot of reservations Good. now, and his name is really getting out there. So. Yeah, Marcellus is. He's well, brought in a Expect a Katuri family uh, party coming in soon. Oh, that'd be good. Right. Yeah, hopefully uh, Philippe comes in town. You guys come in for dinner. We'd be happy to. All right, uh, have he's coming. Host you. He's coming back. We got right. some. Yeah. We got grapes to yeah. pick for. I, you know, I, I just got an email yesterday. He's, you know, we're making one with uh, doing a collaboration with Philippe Combi, and you know, he's sitting there in France tasting grapes, and they're ahead of us in Chateauneuf de Pop in Southern Rhone right now. So he's like, "Well, what are you guys maturity at? Where you know, what's your?" We're like, well, "We're at eighteen or eighteen bricks." He's like, "Oh, all right. so I don't think it'll, it'll probably be in the next few weeks that he's going to show up, but it's not not that soon." Because, like I said, they're they're busier in the vineyards and wineries in Chateauneuf right now than Absolutely. we are here. Well, I don't know about Philippe because I see only food. Right. right. Occasionally, no, no, he's starting to post food. pictures where he's actually I saw him tasting, <laughs> yeah, grapes. tasting grapes. No, and he's at Chateau d'Escalon, right. I think, uh, yesterday and today or something, hanging out, uh, drinking some wine. Um, now, now, you know what? And, and the fact that you just mentioned that. The fact that we can sit there and go, we know what Philippe Combi is doing, <laughs> right. is, is, is once again going back to the fact that this Rhone world is that small right. that we know what Philippe Combi is doing right. over in, in, in the other side of the well, world. Well, the scary thing is that we know everything Philippe well, has eating. tasted right. and, you know, for the, he, that's what he does. the entire time I've known him. <laughs> but, I think but, you could take my phone away and I would say he's, he's eating truffles <laughs> and, he's, and he's drinking Rhone wine. But also, also some uh, some Riesling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, a big, yeah. he's a big Riesling guy. Yeah. yeah. But you know, like I said, this Rhone world is totally different. We're such good friends in this yeah. world. Um, you got to pour these two Zins for Philippe. He yeah, loves Zinfandel. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He yeah. does love Zin. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, the new he, crack for French winemakers. Right. They're they're really getting hooked but, on but, the but California But I gotta tell you, Zin. when I went out to dinner with him the last time, I didn't bring any of my whites. Okay, and he was, and I brought a bunch of reds. He goes, "Where's the Marsan? Where's the Viognier?" Yeah, and then he goes, "I don't like Viognier. I like your Viognier." Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I didn't want to bring that out because I didn't think that's what you wanted. But he was like, yeah. I expected that. But he loves my Marsan. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I know with why. Good, with good reason. Yeah, I mean, so. fairly reputable palate. Um, so I'm gonna get a shout out to. Uh, yeah, right. 
I'm going to get a shout out to uh, Mark. Anyone that's coming to town that wants to do tours, you can hook up with uh, WineZulu, Z-O-O-L-O-O.com. Do some uh, cool little touring of some off-the-beaten-path vineyards. Um, let's get a shout out to Todd Jolly at Sonoma's Best. Um, Todd continues to do a great job with his wine program down there. Yeah, and follow him on Instagram. I mean, you can see the new stuff that he's bringing in. It's all, you know, like I've said before, it's like a toy store for adults. You go in there and you want every toy that's As opposed on the to shelf. an adult toy store, which is totally different. Jeff, yeah, do you, that's do you, a completely you, different thing. you stopped thing. at Sonoma's Best before? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, like yeah, there. Yeah, I like that yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. Would, Todd, Todd would probably love to sell some of your wines down there if you're looking. Todd, why aren't you selling some of my wines? <laughs> That's a done deal now. Just call me, 510. <laughs> I'm not giving you my number out on the back of the bottle. It's on the back of the bottle. It's on the back of the bottle, right? It's on the back of the bottle. All right, also, uh, 510-465-1590. There you go. No, you can give that number out. This is the one that Ben answers. 510-465-1590. Bomb chicka wah Written inside the stall at the Swiss All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Give it a call. When we first started my own label, we had our home phone number on the back label. And this one time, I got this call at like 2 in the morning. These guys were totally drunk. Way out. They were off balance. And I decided, you know, and what? now we're making wine with them. <laughs> yeah, they're my partners. And and I decided, you know, I'm going to call them up as soon as I could. And I called them up at like six in the morning. And uh, the guy answered the phone. He's like, I said, "Hi, this is Jeff Cohn. How you doing?" He goes, "Who?" I was like, "It's Jeff Cohn." He goes, "You had my wine last night. It was really good." Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he was like, I couldn't believe he couldn't believe that I actually called That's him back. Awesome. A and B, he was so hungover. It was great. <laughs> Paybacks are, you know, what they so are. So lesson learned: when you drink Jeff Cohn wines, you will be drinking copious amounts of Jeff Cohn. Copious, wines. copious. Right. Copious, <laughs> clear your schedule for the next day. Right. That's right. I only make twenty-four to twenty-five different uh, SKUs. So. Right. And and John's missing here today. He's uh, his wife Joan um, injured herself, so John's taking care of her. Shout out as, to Joan. Yep, yeah. as she Happy took healing. care of him. Yep. Happy healing. Awesome. And uh, and we're gonna try to take this um, little podcast on the road a little bit here. Hopefully, um, yeah. I got something up. We got something up our sleeves. I was yeah. Talking to the old man about it yeah. today. Yeah. So, so we're, we're oh, talking to the old man. Fun. Yeah. Okay. All that's right. when I know it's gonna be something fun. Hey, also a shout out to the Roan Room. Um, Any of them wants to pick up some amazing wines, Roan Room, I think it's Tuesday through Sunday at this point, only close on Monday. Um, shout out to the girl in the fig and Sondra Bernstein. Looking forward to Grenache Day. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, I actually put in a request for the day off so we can go, we'll do a podcast live from uh, Grenache Day this year. We'll be at um, Sweet D and we'll talk to as many people as we can. Jeff, I know you'll be one of those I will people. be there and you never know what I'm going to be pouring because I don't know what I'm pouring yet. Right. And we will be trying some Synquanon. We will be doing... Jeff's uh, bringing some Synquanon from his cellar. No, yes! Gonna, <laughs> oh, thank you for inviting me. I know we'll pull some from Saunders' cellar. And if she doesn't pull some, we'll drive to our house and we'll just take it out of the cellar. Um, any other shout-outs, guys? I think that's it for that's today. Uh, Shout-out to my wife, Alexandra, because we've been talking about her all day. Absolutely. Without She's her, doing, none of this is possible. Yeah, that's Without true. Her, that's true. Possible. All right, this has been The Winemakers. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Take uh, care. Bart Hansen, Sam Katuri, Thomas Roberts, and Jeff Cohen. Jeff, thanks again for coming oh, back. Man. We always love having you here. 
Yeah. Oh, what a, and congratulations what a great time. on uh, all your high scores. I've never seen anyone get uh, five 100 points uh, from uh, Robert Parker before. You know what? I haven't. I haven't. Uh, Farm yeah, high. Neither have I. So. <laughs> Farm high, make the wine high, get high scores, right? Oh, uh, in all seriousness, though, <laughs> Je- Jeff came back with some really that's another nice t-shirt. scores from Robert Parker, and, and deservedly so. And you can tell by our excitement today drinking the wines that um, they are some of our faves. So, all right. Peace out. We will uh, talk to you next week. Take care.